live reaction to the ending of the book. Actually, before that, I want to know how many other books are you reading right now? A few. Okay. A few is in more or less than two? More. Okay. And you knew we were recording tonight about this particular book. Are you recording? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm getting it all on time? tape. No, I just started. <laughs> so, wait, what was the question? I just wanted to make a point of how many of how distracted you are by picking up too many things at once. You're still not even done reading the book. I thought chapter 38 was it. You said one page when you came over. Do you not know how to look at what pages are in a book? Well, that's what I'm saying. There's one page. And then, then all right, then I'm pausing and we'll come back and that will be in the podcast. Are you done? What are you watching? I'm watching someone play Shiv too. You stop playing the game. You're just watching other people play it now. Well, when my co-host shows up to record a podcast about a book he hasn't finished reading yet, you got to make do with what you've got. Pathetic. So? So what were you grilling me about, not letting me finish my book? Or you're trying to shame me for not finishing the book? Sorry. Being too non-committal to one book. Sorry, I'm a good dad. I didn't ask you about that's, your son. I asked about how many other books you were reading. That's called life responsibility. How many other books are Get you reading that you could have taken 10 minutes from to finish this book? One book I want to talk about is the Oppenheimer biography I'm reading. Is that the book we're talking about on this podcast? And what's interesting about that is Oppenheimer created his own little like city. That his researchers lived in, they did work in. Uh huh. And in order, and where was this at? So they were in New Mexico. Okay. And the government obviously Major like racism. signed off on it. And in order to make it run smoothly, he basically implemented a fully like socialized socialist structure. He also got them to um, like. They basically had some sex workers, a disease kind of did a little breakout and the army tried to come in and be like, okay, we're shutting this down because disease is starting to outbreak. Mm -hmm. And Oppenheimer and some of the other people were like, listen, you, you can't not let these young people, you know. Um, have sex? Have sex. This you Oppenheimer have is one of the guys that worked on the nuclear bomb, right? Yeah, the Manhattan Project. And that's is that this is while he's doing that? Yeah. Okay. And the army signed off on it. And you, it just goes to show you, like, all these people. Oh, that was his argument? Like, you got to just let them do what they're going to do? And, 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 and army we got to have like, sex right. workers. <laughs> yeah, we got to have sex work. We'll, we'll uh -huh. keep the disease down. And so, like, what did the army do? Okay, we will, like, pay to provide health care for the sex workers so that mm -hmm. disease doesn't outbreak, we need you to do this job. And it just goes to show you, right? Like all these people who are like socialism is Nazism or whatever they want to say, or mm -hmm. communism is 
anti-American. America is about America. Mm-hmm. And if you're building them a bomb, it's like, what communist structure do you want to put in place? Right. Absolutely. Yes. We will sign off on it. We'll endorse it. And it just, it's, it's as if we need more evidence that all the people who are reactionary against any political movement just don't give a shit about history. Mm-hmm. They just they could care less. They could care less about the history of America. They could care less about the history of the world. They just want to believe in a narrative that makes sense to them. That sounds like me. Exactly. And you just you know you read about Oppenheimer, and and the whole book is kind of how Oppenheimer and other people were, you know extremely liberal and progressive and were under the, you know, kind of microscope of the FBI um, because they, they were afraid that they were, uh, you know, going to turn out to be traitors or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's a very political book and, you know, it's, it's very good, but that was the thing that I just read there. I was like, this you know, yeah, you can justify anything in our system mm-hmm. if you're just feeding the primary gods of, you know, capital growth and money and war and war, you know? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you and then you start making me feel like a bad but person. He's gay. <laughs> so, well, before we jump into this book that I, yeah. I just finished. Right, literally. Fresh off. Fresh off page 212 or whatever the last page is. 227. Mm-hmm. I thought it was 223, but no, sir. No, 230. Yeah, I was going to say, do you know, what is your definition of one page? Obviously, you were wrong. You knew you were wrong about that, but... In terms of one page, when you say one page, or when somebody says one page, to you, does that mean front and back, or just one side? Yeah, when I told you I had one page to go, it was one physical page. Okay, so front and back. Because when I say one page, I think just one side. Oh, no, that's stupid. That's not stupid, because how do they count the pages? They count each side. So one page is actually two side, two pages, right? Because if they only counted the page itself, then that book would only be a hundred and what, 64 and a half pages. That's a technical victory and a functional loss. Mm. You won technically, but damn, you look bad doing it. That's not true. Yeah, that's like I a, think you're in the minority on that's that. That's like a boxer that like wins by decision at the end, but the whole time just looked like a complete No, I don't think so. Lunatic out there. Yeah. I don't think so. Uh so yeah, okay. So before we get into the book. So before we get into the book, you went to Arizona. Are you now the enlightened centrist? <laughs> is that what Arizona it, is? Right? Arizona's the land of enlightened centrists, I think. No. Arizona's like Red. Arizona is one of the reddest states. Yeah, but I think it's full of centrist red. Well, you say centrist red. Listen, when I landed in Phoenix, there was an armed protest outside of the FBI headquarters in Phoenix. Yeah. So no, no, that doesn't sound like enlightened centrism to me. No, this is what I'm going to say. They're 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 full of 
enlightened centrists that lean red, right? But they're but but the broad swath of Democrats, I think, are also people who are like, let's all just understand each other. And then you have a wild fringe that will get out there and protest. Like, how big was that group? No, I don't know. The FBI. Okay, I think we're good now. Something keeps taking over the thing and turning, changing the input. It keeps changing my input from the thing mm-hmm. to Microsoft Teams for some reason. And I don't even have Microsoft Teams open. I think we've we finally got on the radar of people we don't want to be on on the radar. This is it all for that, see, right, all everything. All that Arizona talk. All that, that finally tipped us over. No, I think it was your page talk. <laughs> like, we need to shut this crazy man down. Finally. I mean, I guess I would... What I think of Arizona is red, first of all. Like, yes, there's no doubt about it to me. And the, to me, it seems like the, the majority of the population is that, those people who are, who are who are red, red. And then you have a bunch of people who are like weird kind of mystics who either they like, they're like the ultimate pendulum swing, right? Because those people, I think, sort of naturally are just people that are not, don't care about that sort of stuff at all. But then you'll get like the rare one of those people who are like also like a hardcore conservative. And it's kind of like, how do you believe, what, what, how does, how do these two things like jive with each other? Yeah. It's like that, um, that MLK quote that I can't, I always, I feel like it's one of those quotes that everyone gets wrong. Yeah. But he was like, what, what was it? Like the arc of time bends towards justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I feel like the arc of humanity bends towards insanity. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm not. I feel like we just naturally gravitate. Like there's a point in time where, you know, especially when I was raised, like how I was raised, there is this idea of, you know, because if, you, if you're raised religious, you have this idea of we're right, but we can't say that we're right. And so, well, maybe growing up, that's def- that's changed though. Yeah, but but and and then you have to justify that somehow, and the way you justify it is, look at these bonk bonkers people over in Arizona mm-hmm. or whatever, and all these people with these crazy beliefs, and that opens up the door for they need the truth, right? Like, oh, this. Mm-hmm. But then you realize, like, they those people are just as crazy as the arizona people mm-hmm. you know what i mean just in a different way but it's just like at some point in your life i just feel like you you're you're forced to we, we've talked about here right like you're forced to come to terms with your own humanity or or um you know like deal with death mm-hmm. it's like who's who's capable of doing that right what human mind is like yeah i did it i'm ready to move on we all kind of break at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, for the Arizona people, there is always that like idea of like, ooh, they're weirdos. But I'm like, I think everybody 
He's a weirdo. At a yeah, but age. well, well, yeah, and but what I mean though is weirdo in the sense of like, like crystal weirdos, like people that go out there to like worship the rocks and stuff. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I had some conversations with some normal seeming people that when you actually start listening to what they say, you're like, maybe those crystal people are on to something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Uh, but yeah, it was good. It was a good trip. I liked it. It was very hot. Yeah. You mentioned that. Um, I've heard you respond to a few people say, how was your trip? And you just always go back to it being hot. It's, it's in is that it, the main takeaway. Yeah. It's in it. It's inescapable. I mean, for me, it was really great. Well, there there are actually two takeaways. The two biggest takeaways for me is that the heat is gets a bit romanticized when you're not living in it, for me at least. And then going back and realizing I do still prefer this level, this kind of heat to the Virginia Beach heat. Yeah. Because there's no humidity or a lot less humidity, but it is very, very hot. And it's so hot that like you could get into your car and and, and be burned and get like severe burns by touching your steering wheel. That's how hot it is. So you have to sort of take precautions. It's it's pretty brutal. Yeah. It's so hot that you f- have like a physical reaction to it when you first walk outside. Well, yeah, I mean again, I've heard <clears throat> you constantly reference it after being back from yeah. it, so. So there's that aspect to it which again i don't mind yeah you can work around that and that's only we went in august is literally the hottest time of the year um the other thing my other big takeaway is that so i grew up in ohio very flat went to school in florida very flat Mm -hmm. right moved out to arizona lived there for a year which was really my first exposure to mountains Mm -hmm. right um Love it. Mountains are great. Great Love to look it. at. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It really does not. You can, I can't describe. I'm not good at describing it. But man, when you see it, it just is incredible. I'm with you. I love mountains. But the, the so so after Arizona, move out here to Virginia and have spent some time in the mountains, right? Either on trips or whatever. And I didn't realize this until going back to Arizona this last time. Is that the mountains out here have like. Uh, mysterious element to them, mm-hmm. you know, because they're all covered in trees. Mm-hmm. You can't, you really can't see, see anything at all. And so you see these mountains and your imagination can start to run away with you because it's like, what, what's going on in there? Da, 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 da. You Arizona, naked you, you go out to Arizona and my first thought in seeing a mountain was like, that is literally just a pile of dirt. It looks like a little kid took a Tonka truck and just put a pile <laughs> of dirt on the ground. It just is either that or a bunch of big ass rocks sitting on top of each other. <laughs> it's so goofy looking for some reason. <laughs> I was just like, man, this is, I was not expecting this. Yeah. That was God's early phase of building. What if I just dirt. shove this over here? <laughs> And then he got all mysterious and he was like, let's throw some trees all yeah. over these. But so we stayed at a place that was like way, way far out from everything. And actually dirt roads, right? And we were actually surrounded by a bunch of like farms. There was basically like horse farms everywhere. Horse farms. We were surrounded by a big desert, which was called the something 
National Park, whatever, wherever we were staying at. And then within our little area there, it was like horse farm here, horse farm there, a lot of horses for some reason. Mm-hmm. And every morning I would... Well, for some reason, it's not like there's a lot of grasslands, right? I mean... Horses. Well, it's also so hot. Like I just never yeah. would. I mean, it's the desert, right? Yeah, so cowboys like and stuff. But I don't know. Have to be what you. So, but every morning we were out there. I would go on a walk for a couple hours, just walk some miles. And one morning, get your steps in. Yeah, get my steps in. Mm-hmm. Listen to my book. And um, one morning, I'm walking down one of the roads, and I go up a road. This book? No, that's it's not on audiobook, which we'll get to. That book is. It, is it, it like weirdly hard to find, yes. especially for how like uh, revered it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't get a lot of attention, I guess, but the attention it gets is everything good. I've looked at it. Right. is like, this is the birth of British noir. And you would think something like that would have like something other than oppressing from 1984. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I'm walking down this dirt road and there's just a horse laying on the side of the road on its side. And obviously I'm like, Oh, that's a dead horse. That horse looks totally dead. It's not breathing, whatever. And there's an old woman and man standing on the side of the road. <clears throat> and they're like calling their vet. And they were like, yeah, a trooper got out last night and uh, we got him on the side of the road here and he uh, won't get up. And I'm like, you won't get Damn, up. I'm trooper. pretty sure that thing's dead. Like, it's not breathing, but it's not breathing, buddy. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm walking, but I don't know what to do. So I'm just like, hey, do you need any help? And he's just like, no, no. we're good. <laughs> like, yeah, where are they, where are you gonna? Do? I don't know. But it's like, what do you? I'm not. I can't just walk by. And be like, hey, how's it going, buddy? I, I would love for them to say, yeah, and you just walk up like pull its tail. <laughs> right. I mean, what am I supposed to well, do? Well, yeah, he's not responding when I pull his tail. Am I just supposed to be like? Morning and keep on walking. Morning, see your horse is dead. All right, good luck with that. You already know his name is Trooper. Be like, hope Trooper starts breathing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it. And then we came back. And the, the flight. Um, how long has it been since you've flown? It's been a while, right? Yeah. Flying sucks. It's terrible. It is terrible. Did and- you get have a layover? Yeah, yeah. We, our, our layover in, on the way there wasn't bad. It was one of those layovers like you land, you've got a little bit of wiggle room to walk to the other thing, and then you get there and you leave. Our layover on the way back was four hours. So that was that sucked. And just flying in general sucks. And they have squeezed every square inch out of those planes oh, those to where are- it is mm-hmm. the seats are tiny, the the aisles are tiny and you're always dealing with these people who are like these people these people who are like you know the the people you know it's it's everything every time that happens on a plane as soon as you land and the light goes off you get a handful of people that immediately stand up and and get to their bags and get in the aisle and it's like jesus like we're all going to the same place okay you're not going to get off any faster than anybody else if you do it's going to be like 10 seconds just chill out and let people like go out in order and but it that just bugs me. Uh, but yeah, that was it. It was a good trip. I had something that bugged me the other day that I haven't experienced. Um, ambulance coming, pull over to the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Ambulance passes me. Go to get back on the road. 
car yeah. speeds by me. Yeah. And I just, in all my years, I hadn't seen somebody like drifting on an ambulance yeah. just to get ahead of a few people. And you think, oh, that's the family. Okay. I'll give them a little. Nope. Because the light turned red. Yeah. And they, they got stuck at the light. I pull up behind them. Ambulance went straight. They turned right. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, and that's the definition of people on an airplane, too. You, you, they, they're doing the, you know, we're now boarding whatever section. And people are just rushing to get in line. And, again, it's just like you're, you're passing me to get to a red light. That's all you're doing. You're, you're speeding past me so you can get to a red light five seconds faster than I'm going to get yeah. to. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that there's no satisfying, like, some people are obsessed with, like, the you know, watch this driver get justice because they get pulled over and mm-hmm. they're driving radically. It's like that person is not making a revelation about them. Like there, there's no, you, you can't make that person come to terms. Oh yeah. With their level of, of assholeness. Right. right. Like they are always going to be a person that does that. Doesn't matter if they get pulled over or don't get pulled over. Mm-hmm. It's like you might have a little thrill of like, ah, that person We'll do the same thing to you the next day. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, great. You got a little thrill. Right. Doesn't That person has not changed. Right. Also, this is the last thing I'll say before we move on to whatever else. Found out my brother mm-hmm. is the first male in America to get blood clots from the COVID vaccine. Really? Yeah. He got the Johnson & Johnson one-shot thing. And like a couple weeks later, woke up and was like having a hard time breathing, having a bunch of complications, called his doctor and his doctor was like, have you gotten the vaccine lately? Or have you gotten the vaccine or whatever? He's like, yeah, I got it a week ago or whatever. He's like, you need to go to the hospital right now. Went to the hospital. He was there for like a week because of the blood clots. And like he said, they were giving him no, like they weren't telling him what's going on, how long he was going to be there. So he said he just got up and left. (laughs) After a week, and then he got like a hospital bill for eighty five thousand dollars. That's a classic Blizzard move too. Like, <laughs> I'm not getting any clearance. Right, I'm just gonna go. So, I did. So, I mean, the since then he's fine. Somebody looked and they were like, "Your blood clots are good." Yeah, he seems. To be I fine. wonder if they would have just like he'd still be there. He'd just be living in the hospital. Yeah, I don't know. I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find anything about it. So I'm just taking his word for it. Is he? Is he good? Does he know how he's paying the 85k? You know, he didn't. You know, because I was talking to him about my arm, and that's kind of how it came up, and the hospital bills for that. He is obviously he's, um, thirteen years older than I am, so mm-hmm. he's fifty three, and so he and my other brother are very much. Um, like old school. Well, I mean, I guess Kelly not so much, but he definitely comes from like the old school thought of like he's a conservative. Mm-hmm. So he, I mean, he might gripe about the healthcare system a little bit, but he would never be like we should change something about it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I'm sure he has no issue with it. <laughs> I mean, and I don't obviously I don't think that eighty five thousand is like out of pocket, but. I, he still had to pay a chunk of it, I'm sure. No, yeah, that's crazy. Um, I would have 
love to see the line items. I'm sure that it yeah. on that bill. Yeah. I also was driving to work today and I saw somebody in a red Tesla, mm-hmm. which Teslas are, I guess they round four, whatever just shipped. Like uh-huh. everyone has a Tesla now. I see so many Teslas around here. It's crazy. That's what I'm saying. I, I see them everywhere now. Yeah. And all of a sudden I feel like it just happened. So I see a person in a red Tesla, which Teslas are ugly. Mm-hmm. They look stupid. Yeah. And I'm turning, pass by. I'm, I've turned, so I'm going slow. And they're passing by me. And I see this person driving, and they're just, someone's in the passenger seat, and they're going, <laughs> clearly doing the self-driving trip. Like, no hands. Look, no yeah. hands. No hands. Yeah. And they're going like five miles right. per hour down this residential yeah. street. But they were freaking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely out of their mind. Right. And I was like, exactly. And I, <laughs> and I bet that would be one of the people who's like, yeah, those crazies in Arizona. It's like, right. Yeah, you're the one driving around at five miles per hour with no hands, yeah. like yelling at your passenger. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Stupid. Um, yeah, there's something else that I was going to talk about, but I can't remember what it is. So, okay. You want to talk about the book? Yeah, we can talk about the book. So, uh, he died with his eyes open was a book that you came recommending. It came from your search of like underrated books, right? Yeah. Just, I'm still doing it. Just looking for obscure thing, you know, pieces of media. Yeah. And I, the book I was listening to, again, it goes back to what we've talked about before of like book recommendations are so hard to find it feels like impossible it feels like it's pretty easy to to find like uh, a good uh train of video game recommendations Mm -hmm. or even movie thoughts but when it comes to books i guess there's just so many and it takes a significant amount of work to actually read a book Mm -hmm. that I guess you can't really like aggregate that, you know what I mean? And I think so much changes in taste. Yeah. You know, it's I think also if you like like I like books. And I've looked back, I also love keeping lists of stuff. Mm-hmm. I rate everything that I read, I rate everything that I watch, have a letterbox, have a good reads, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, by far, am more gracious with my book. Like, I was looking back at my ratings, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, these books are not this right. good. You know? Yeah, yeah. It, but I'm just like, oh, yeah, four stars. Right. The books get, like, an extra star just because you're proud of yourself for actually finishing it. <laughs> there's, that, there's that proud factor of yourself. And also, like, writing is so hard. Yeah, for it's sure. It's so yeah, hard yeah. To, to actually say, like, I'm going to write this thing, and it's going to be 400 pages. <laughs> and, you know, someone else is going to read those 400 yeah. pages and be like, that was great. Like, right. that's that's impossible. Yeah. It's an impossible, um, you know, kind of endeavor. And, um, and so, yeah, I find myself, like, 
four stars, four stars, four stars. Mm -hmm. I was looking at a three-star book that I rated. I was like, I hated this book. (laughs) How did I rate it three stars? I remember hating it. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's also a factor. Yeah, so he died with his eyes open. Like I was saying before, uh, from what I've read, regarded as the birth of British noir, whatever that means, you know, I'm, I don't know, but it was the first of its kind, written by a guy named something else. Derek Raymond is a pseudonym. Or is it, what is it called when writers do that? Is it just pseudonym? Yeah, like a... There's another term for it, but yes. Ghost written, not ghost written. No, not ghost written. But yeah, that's not his real name. Um, that's his real picture. That is you, his real you, picture. You got this? He's, it, he's interesting looking. <laughs> um, and also what I read, so my understanding of Derek Raymond, or I think his name is James something, but my understanding of it, I read, I think it was an NPR review maybe. But they were talking about he his background before he wrote this book is he was essentially the Charlie character. Which makes sense when you think about the book, because a lot of the book is just Charlie's ramblings into a voice recorder. Oh. But he was maybe homeless at one point, a drunk, drug addict, blah, blah, blah like down on his luck, all that stuff. Um, and then he started writing or whatever, and he wrote this book. It's absolutely a book that when you're reading it, you're like, I feel like I'm getting to know the author. Yeah. It's a very thin veil. Right. And I didn't really look him up as much as you did. I looked up some stuff based on this book, but not about him. But it totally fits because I was having that feeling too where I was like, this feels like, Whenever you you put on a Staniland Stanisland Staniland yeah Staniland cassette, Mm -hmm. I was like, something tells me this author has some cassettes. Yeah, it's just a like a soapbox for him to, yeah, just get out some thoughts, just get some of his rantings out. Yeah, and it definitely yeah, it feel like to me it also made me think of Shit Town and the podcast, the podcast. Uh And the main character of Shit Town, which was a guy that you're like, the watch fixer or whatever. Yeah. Once you once you get into that main character, who's just could talk forever. Um. I I love that podcast. And I was like, I feel like this author would have a podcast like that. Yeah, like, for sure. I, I could probably and I, I I'd probably listen. To his just like, you know, I imagine them being like three hours John long. Macklemore. Yeah. Three hours long of him just ranting into a microphone. Yeah. And I would listen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just a really smart guy who's on the verge of losing his mind. <laughs> exactly. And he's going to talk it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm, I'm there for it. Absolutely. Right. And he frames it in this very quick detective book very quick and one thing that i wanted to say was reading it not that the writing style is like ernest hemingway but reading it gave me the same feeling as reading an ernest hemingway book mm-hmm. i remember when i first read hemingway i was like i don't know i wasn't really i didn't know what to expect but i remember reading and being like 
this thing moves. <laughs> like this yeah, book is, for sure. Uh, it has some momentum. I think the only Hemingway book I read was The Old Man in the Sea. You should read another one. What, another one? Is that the name of the book, or That's you should just read another one? You should read another one by Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, what do you think of the book overall? So overall, I it it's something that as I've read it, I liked it more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm when I finished it, I you know I can't look at it and not say like this is a really good like if this came out of like this guy's first book, mm-hmm. it just dropped. I would be like, holy shit, this is amazing yeah um not knowing where it fit like you said like it it did start like british noir or whatever right um so again i don't know what he's like now reading it i can see all these other noir right i was gonna say tendencies i don't know where that fits in historically right like is that does that mean it's the birth of noir or is that just like hey i see this trend that's going on america let me bring it over let me here. bring it over here yeah. right so like i don't know enough to know like where this fits and if it is like if somebody who knows it knows noir and detective fiction inside and out would read it and go oh he's clearly he's doing a um who do we make fun of now for true detective oh pizzolato yeah he's doing a pizzolato yeah he's kind of grabbing here grabbing there but right. based on what you say about his personal life no i i would view that he he probably wasn't ripping off other things that he was just kind of fitting his story into this structure of yeah. a neo-noir. And, um, and I thought it worked brilliantly. I love Right. That. So the book is basically, it, 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 it is basically only what you would expect from, it's a detective book. It's it starts off with the detect of an unnamed detective, the narrator. He's never named in any of the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, shows up to a scene where a guy has been his head has just been beat to death. Basically, in. he's got multiple different kinds of wounds, but he's been beat to death and dumped in an alley. And it's the narrator's job to figure it out. And part of that, and I. Th- I was trying to remember what this reminded me of. Maybe it's Disco Elysium, but he works, he's a detective, right? This book is part of the Factory series. The Factory is the police police headquarters, basically. He works for a division called Unsolved. No, it's, um, because I do love the, I do love the name of it. Uh, the Department of Unexplained Deaths. Unexplained Deaths, it, which is a department that's kind of looked down upon. It's kind of the 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 butt of the joke, right? And then the the real, where all the real police work, is the Division of Serious Crimes. Um, and those are obviously like satirical takes on the different departments. But for some reason, those names in particular reminded me of something else. Is it Disco Elysium? I feel like maybe... Um, I feel like Kim and Harry maybe work for some sort of um, 
the, the name of their departments is something satirical. I can't remember. Yeah. <clears throat> but after that, it's like I said, it's pretty much just a straightforward detective book. You've got, he, he's, it's just him going around kind of interviewing people or, you know, sort of working his way into in, in and out of different groups and trying to find information. And then within that, he's kind of going back and not revisiting, but he's listening to all these tapes that um, Staniland recorded and, and he found in the apartment and looking for clues and blah. But the tapes end up kind of just being, like you said, basically the author's philosophizing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will say is... Oh, here we go. <laughs> I like the book a lot. I really did. Once I realized that the tapes were just Stanley, him, just him sort of being like philosophizing on the world, I was like, I can skip this stuff. <laughs> and I just stopped reading the tape stuff. I knew <laughs> because it. some of them, they go I on knew. forever. Some of them are so long. And I was like, I don't have, I don't, I, I don't want to read this. I, because I was thinking, I'll skip over this. And then if he starts, if he gets starts getting into something that's like, oh, I picked up a clue from the tapes and I'm going to follow this clue, then I'll go back and read it so I know what the clue is. But that never happens. It's just ramblings from a semi-crazy person mm. that start to kind of seep their way into the, te- the detective subconscious and sort of color his view of the world. I- and, and that's that. I hate when podcasts make the joke of, um, to our listener out there, our one listener, blah, uh-huh. blah, blah. But I feel like, hey, to our <laughs> listener out there. I'll also say this. Can, there are no other podcasts about this book. I look. Yeah. I want to say this podcast potentially is going to start with, Somebody giving me a hard time for still reading a book uh-huh. who then later on admits to skipping well, I'm whole efficient. sections I'm efficient. of a book and then tries to make me feel bad for starting too many things, but I finish it. I finished it too. Fully. I finished it. And those mean more than just ramblings. It is how he puts, puts it together. I mean, I get that. Because I don't even know if you read the one where he talks about maybe I should just get them to reveal their true selves. I should offer myself as a martyr and cause these people that I see have this deep, you know, kind of violence in them. Mm -hmm. And I should. The two people who ended up being the killers. Yes. Mm -hmm. That comes out in one of his. Tapes. I mean, but that that I was assuming that I knew that much, right? I just read this so I can remember exactly. I hear you. No, but so, you're, so hold on. The mo- the majority of that is just demented, f- just ramblings. You know, like I said, I get it. I understand what he's doing with it, but some of those they go on for pages. Uh, the book is short. <laughs> I hear you. It is short, but I just don't have the patience for that stuff. 
Uh, that was one of the things that I really liked about the book. And one of the things that I've grown less and less patient with is just get me from point A to point B. You know, I don't want all this stuff in the middle. I don't want a description of how the grass smelled or, you know what I mean, what the sky looked like. Just get me from point A to point B. I don't want all the shit in the middle. I just want to know what happens. And for the a lot of time, that's what this book is. Um, Swipe your nose like a credit card. Even if that were true, I said, you still go in, well, if you wanted to get away with this, you should have destroyed all the man's cassettes. I read that part. No, 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 no. Yeah, and whoa, whoa. that should have caused you to that's, go back and then read his cassette parts. No. I mean, like I said, I get... I look, it's so very obvious as soon as the cassettes start. Oh, the solution is going to be in the cassettes. I get that. Right? That's not like a surprise. So let me get this right. If I'm reading a book and there's just an obvious plot point staring me in the face, it's so obvious that I don't feel like I need to verify it. I can skip that and just go to the ending where. My assumption is <laughs> no. I well look, well look. What all I'm saying is, listen. I read I'm, a lot of these bullshit ramblings, and then you get to the one of them that is pages long, listen, multiple pages. And I, it's like, listen, I don't have the patience to read this crazy rambling for pages and pages and pages, just in the hope that I get the the clue to the answer that I already know is the answer. I know that the, the I know that the mystery is solved in the tapes. I know that. I start a book. Oh, Sherlock Holmes is in this. Let me <laughs> get to the end where he's... Okay, yeah. Let me skip to the end when Sherlock Holmes explains how he solved it. That's what I'm hearing you say. Anyway, listen, let's get let's get to why this book is good. Okay. Yeah, the book is is great because um well, I made some notes. Hey, I did too. So uh, the majority of the book outside of the well, I guess even this technically counts, the tapes. But outside of the tapes, the majority of the book is dialogues between the the narrator, the detective, the narrator, and whoever he's interviewing, or his um, kind of inner monologue as he's going from place to place. And it's just very like succinct. Mm-hmm. It's very to the point. Mm-hmm. A lot of the conversations that took me a little bit to s- sort of um, grab onto is it felt like to me that. I almost got the impression that, like, even though this isn't technically the case, you kind of get the feeling that you've come into the conversation sort of midway through, Mm -hmm. and the detective has already figured out who he's talking to and is talking to them in a way to, like, get a certain response out of them. Mm -hmm. Because there are times where it's like, man, this guy seems, like, very uh, sort of aggressive, and very to the point, um, and then it, but it always sort of in those scenarios where he is acting like that, it's it works in his favor because it turns out that the person he's talking to is like trying to bullshit him or whatever, right? And it, there are other scenarios where he's not like that because it's not called for, um, and and so and so that sort of gives to this feeling to me that it just sort of keeps you like 
sort of briskly moving along and you're, you don't have to like slow down to kind of think about anything. I feel like, um, which is kind of why the tapes threw me so much because that is the complete opposite of what the tapes are, which is just this like wide eyed staring at the world. That's, that's the like, point. I get it, but it's like, I don't want to read pages of this. Sometimes he'll go into a bar and people will give him a hard time, like the owner of a bar he'll need to get, and he'll he'll say this. Oh, is this your fucking hard knock stuff? Yeah, you can't understand what he's saying. Something about toes? I don't care if you got one butt cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. Right. What does that even mean? I love yeah. that he like he paints the picture of a weaker person than so you'll beat up on even weaker people yeah. than just a person who's has all their fingers and two <laughs> right. Well, there is a great uh quote on the NFL subreddit where some reporter asked that's Dan Campbell, right? Some reporter asked him, they were like, What do you uh say to the criticism? Uh, that people say you're just like a raw, raw coach and you don't really know any football fundamentals, blah, blah, blah. He was just like, yeah, well, I think that's great and I hope they continue to think that way and uh, we'll see what they say on the football field. (laughs) He strikes me. So I got sucked into hard knocks. He strikes me as a Jordan Peterson fan because he will Mm – be on the verge of tears. Oh, really? Real quick when he's like, there's a, he has him do an early practice in pads. Mm -hmm. And apparently that's like, you don't do that early on Mm -hmm. because pads mean you're hitting, which could lead to injuries. Right. You need to ramp up to it. And he decides to address it, I guess, at the end. He's like, Gus, (laughs) you think that I would do anything to harm you? I have a plan. You need to trust. And he's like, and Terry's uh, like, dude, okay, like make them practice in pads or don't. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> don't, don't cry about it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, not to get back into the cassette talks, but yeah, it, you start reading, and within 10 pages, you've met like two interesting characters. You kind of meet, um, the main character's kind of uh, nemesis, um, who's kind of the guy moving up the ranks. Right, Bowman. Bowman, who's mm-hmm. kind of outranking him, and they have a little exchange. The thing that I love is it is that hard-boiled language. Like, it is chock full. It's very pulpy, yeah. Full of the pulpy language, which can by nature be hit or miss, right? Yeah. Where it's like sometimes anybody acting, putting on that act, there's going to be a little inherent like silliness about a person like right. that, which is why I like that he adapts to the situation. He's not exactly. He's not like that, but he right. knows what will get him answers or get right. him to move beyond the initial Yeah, like, if he was like that contest. for every singer every single encounter too it much. would be too much. Yeah. Which again, Pairs well with the cassettes, which is basically somebody who is outside that he's Staniland is orbiting mm-hmm. all these people. 
but he can't be part of it because he's too pure. Like you said, he's too wide-eyed. He Mm -hmm. sees it too clearly. But I also love that within the, like, hard-boiled language, there's also, like, specific British slang that I had no idea what it meant. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of that in here. It caused me, like, look some stuff up. And this is... Oh, I didn't look any of it up. So this is one of my favorites. (laughs) So talking about the Staniland, the the dead guy. Uh Um, And he's talking to Bowman. Um, Bowman asks, what do you think he was killed for, money? And the main character says, he doesn't look like the kind of ice cream who had that much on him. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of ice cream talk in the There's book. There's a lot of ice and cream it's talk. it's not about ice cream. <laughs> no. He's referring to a man yeah. as ice cream. Right. It's he like, what does that like, mean? Right. You get an idea, I guess, but it's like, I don't really know what that means. So I looked up. I know what it means. What's your, what's your guess? I guess I would think just like soft, right? It's, it's the... It's the rhyming scheme talk. So it's like Cockney rhyming scheme. Uh-huh. So it's like ice cream, freezer, geezer. Oh, my gosh. Right? Okay. You say ice cream, you're implying freezer. You're right. Just, you imply freezer, you're implying... Which is just... Geezer is just like slang for like dude, right? Right. Yeah, just like guy. Yeah. But yeah. you don't call him a geezer, you call him an ice cream. Right. Okay. <laughs> Later when he goes into a... I think I would have liked that not... Better not know. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and then later on when he walks into the bar and he's like, the the bartender's like, will you, will, what will you have? He's like, ring ding. He's like, ding <laughs> yeah. Ding dong. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's ordering a Bells. Right. You know okay. what I mean? And you're just like, yeah, that's, um, I, I love it. And then in the next page, you know, he's talking about, the, the, the main character's talking about Bowman and some of the other police officers, right? Mm-hmm. And he just says, he wasn't the kind of man you could depend on to ensure a democracy. Mm-hmm. I just love that way of saying, like, yeah, he's kind of a bad cop. He's yeah. Kind of a, you know, all the implications, right? A blowhard right. or... He doesn't have a backbone. Yeah. Yeah. Like democracy will depend on the people enforcing it. Right. If you really have like, this is for the people or like what we say, right? Like the police are there to protect and serve. Mm -hmm. Well, that mission is only as good as the people executing it. Right. You know what I mean? And again, it's, this book is full of that political, like pointedness and observation throughout I think also elevates it. It's not just telling a story, but it is painting a picture of socioeconomic, you know, kind of factors, the police, how those people are policed and viewed in society. Mm, Yeah. And it's done in a really compact way with little phrases like that, that convey a lot. He doesn't go on uh, other than the cassettes. And I, I really, I like that writing. Yeah. Um, Oh, this is what I want to ask. Did you have a moment where you were reading the book? Well, I guess I should say this is a moment that I've had reading a lot of older books, uh, specifically 
most recently when I listened to I Am Legend a couple months ago. I had this moment, I had the same moment when I was reading this, where I'm reading a certain passage, um, and he's describing maybe just the different uh, people that make up a area or the bar or whatever. Mentions black people, mentions mm-hmm. just different people, mm-hmm. and I, and it happens enough in this book that I, and, and in such a way that I stop. And I think to myself, is, is this problematic? <laughs> 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 right? Because it's from the 70s. It's from a while ago. And I'm thinking, am I going to look this up and see a bunch of think pieces about like why this was really bad? And I did that specifically with um, I Am Legend. And I, I Am Legend is, is a lot more pointed about it than this is. This, I think this, bringing it up is probably me being more uh, overly cautious th- yeah, than anything. But I definitely had a moment where I was like... <clears throat> Does it and, matter that and, they're African? <laughs> right. And that's why I know about him being like a drunk and all this other stuff. Because at a certain point in this book, I stopped and I was like, all right, let me look this guy up and just make sure everything's like on the up and up here. <laughs> Which seems to be like, for me, like a staple of like older books, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that was really interesting. So what did you think of the... So you brought this book sort of, or or it was recommended to you Mm -hmm. with the take of the fourth book in the series made the publisher vomit while he was (laughs) reading it, which is so hilarious. Yes. And then as I'm reading the book, I'm like, I get it. I can totally see how this guy would write something that would make me throw up while I'm reading it. You know what I mean? Specifically in the beginning where he's describing... Uh, Stan and Land's body and basically what it's been through. It's just it's just written, and it's not even like it's that it's super district, uh, descriptive. There's just something about it that is so like visceral or just like kind of makes you feel it. Mm-hmm. And then there's another moment right at the end of the book where he gets stabbed in the neck, and he does such a great job of <laughs> describing like how he's passing out basically due to this wound right that i just really loved and it was it made me think like has he been stabbed in the neck (laughs) you know the 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 book and his writing moves in such a way where if i wanted to overthink it and get yeah if i want to overthink it i would say his writing is follows the main character like you said, becoming obsessed with Staniland, mm-hmm. right? And the writing itself gets just like more, more descriptive and florid. Like he he starts describing things more, mm-hmm. and the writing becomes more elegant. I guess. Well, I, yeah, I guess, but I uh, but I feel like the de- it does get the descriptions are so to the point that. Again, it made me completely understand the idea of someone reading a book and throwing it well, up. Well, <laughs> the, the, the part that made me realize, like, oh, he could definitely write something, which I'm surprised he didn't mention, is him going into Harvey's 
room. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I was going to I was going to say that. So maybe this is me showing my ass again. But did that whole so the last part of the book that kind of maybe it doesn't come out of nowhere if you're listening or reading all the parts about the tapes. But the last like oh third or fourth of the book, I guess. Um, it be it, so so he finds out that basically the woman he's been sleeping with, who's a prostitute, and a guy from the bar at the beginning of the book, right, um, are the people who are responsible for the murder. Mm-hmm. But also that they're in some sort of bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, I even know how to describe mother, it. Mother, almost like mother son, son. Uh, relationship where he's not allowed to poop. Yeah, he's being trained to hold his poop hold in. His poop in. <laughs> and so his bedroom is filled of all with all these chamber, chamber pots, pots that have been shit in. But like one a day, right? And he's only allowed to do it like certain. Time and then the ultimately he finds them in that room. No, he goes to her room, her her house. He that's right. He is in their house, but I could have sworn he that goes there to were Barbara's ch- house. chamber parts, chamber pots in her room. Were there, there not? There, I could. There, there sw- might have been one. Yeah, because like, I could have sworn there was a description about him there, smelling there, something. Yeah, there's a description, but it, but I got the sense like he brought that day's chamber okay. pot with him, yeah, but th- yeah, there okay. wasn't a week's work. Um, but yeah, that just felt kind of out of left field to me. See, to I me, don't not like it. Yeah, it just was kind of like, well, where did this come from? Yeah, to me, it was like, and I I had a more a much more finer point to put on this and i i didn't write it down but it did make me think about um true detective in the way that a lot of true crime there's only so many combinations that you can put together it was the boyfriend who did this Uh, it was Turns out that they were related and da da da. That's why they killed them or whatever. And there's only so many combinations you can do with that before you need to, like, <coughs> in my mind, have the murder speak to something bigger, mm-hmm. right? So we talk about like True Detective. Once you start introducing like the yellow, the, the yellow king or the king in yellow, mm-hmm. and this kind of like, Cthulhu almost Lovecraftian element where that begins to like get, get interesting with this one. As soon as you get into like chamber pots and that kind of twisted relationship, I was like, this is such a satisfying, like sometimes I feel like when people are writing stories like this, they're, they're just because so I'll just say I've I've listened to a lot of books um, over the last like year mm-hmm. and a lot of them, especially audiobooks, I find simple mysteries to be easy to listen to. But yeah, many of them are just taking the form and then just plugging in the different people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the 
end result. And it got to the point where I was like, I'm off, you know, kind of thriller mysteries because I'm not, it, it's all coming down to the same thing and it's boring, you know? Mm. And then you read a book like this and it feels contemporary because he's not just interested in who killed who, but explaining why or painting a deeper picture that you can imagine or fall into that's much more twisted or complicated than, yeah, just like he he was crazy and mm-hmm. he killed them all, you know? So I love, and again, you you read these older books and you're like, why aren't people like picking up the torch and like running with it? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like if you ask me to write a thriller book or a detective novel or, or something, I am going to try and like approach it from a character perspective and like how can we deepen the meaning of the murders rather than just a, you know, isn't this twisted? Yeah. Yeah, it's been um, diluted more than it's been, like, sort of pushed further, I guess. Yeah, or people feel like, I I, I guess I'm saying, like, it feels like a lot of people are like, well, this story's been told before. Mm. It's like, not the way, it's about the way you tell it, right? Mm. So, like, yeah, this is a great example of a guy who's taking a tried and true formula, probably even for the time, but injecting real characters in a way that makes it feel real. Mm-hmm. And a lot of modern books just read and feel like trash. Yeah. Yeah. So highly recommended. I liked it a lot. Are Were you satisfied with that, the, the conclusion? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved um, it. Yeah. I, I mean, I read like like I said to you, I read half the book in one sitting. I mean, we were on that day. I was on the I was flying, so I was in the airport for a lot of the day. But I still just read half of it. Well, that that's how this book again. The chapters are short. Yeah, the, it's so easy it to read. Moves, and when he finds Barbara. I just feel like the book opens up. Mm-hmm. Like before that, it's just like interesting characters and stuff like that. The other thing on the back of the book, it says it's been adapted into a movie. It's a French movie. Yeah, I will say, I feel like this is one of those books where I'd be like, I don't know how you can adapt this. Because it is internal. A lot of it is right. internalized like growth mm-hmm. and existential musing right i don't well i mean half the book is just the guy listening to a tape basically (laughs) um yeah and i and i want to say i think the the genre gets a bad rap for being misogynistic i will say i think barbara is one of the most kind of chilling Mm -hmm. and well-realized characters Mm -hmm. like of this genre yeah and she is a terror mm-hmm. and just really, really well conceived and written. <clears throat> I loved, I love the character work here. Yeah. Uh, and I loved the, the little notes. I just read it. So, but where Bowman, mm-hmm. do you remember how he describes the scene of coming and saving the main character? 
No. He's like, Barbara had a basically oh, a bucket right. catching his blood, and yeah. Harvey was masturbating. She was like, completely naked. Yeah. She's completely naked, <laughs> yeah. catching the blood like a maniac, yeah. and then Harvey's like <laughs> masturbating on the bed. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, that image is right. just so, again, bizarre and twisted and gross and just visceral. Like, it's just, he's just a good writer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, are you interested in the second book? Yeah, I have the second book ordered. Uh, it's coming from some third party bookseller from Amazon. So who knows when it'll be here, but it's on the way. We got to get to book four. Yeah, I was going to say, have you looked- got to get looked... to book four. I haven't looked at anything. Okay. I don't. Because I know one sentence about what it's about and it, I, it has not made me want to read book four. Especially the one sentence I know, and then he, the coupled with it made the publisher vomit makes me it actually makes me not want to read it. So, so you you spoiled it to the point where you're like Dora something Dora I am Dora Suarez or I was Dora Suarez or something like that. So you you like and you're like oh this is just kind of gross and bad and not necessarily well yeah i mean it's hard i don't want to spoil anything but yeah it's just it's dealing with a topic that's like this is a topic that i don't want to be grossed out to the point of throwing up about (laughs) you know what i mean um so one thing i did want to say i was looking up the second book Mm -hmm. and listen I haven't read anything because I, I kind of, I want to be surprised yeah. by some of this stuff that I'm just stumbling upon. And we've, we've talked about it before, <clears throat> but I feel like this series could be subject to a precipitous decline in quality. Mm-hmm. I, I would not be surprised if I read the second book and have a reaction much like, the Border Trilogy, the Don Winslow trilogy that I read, where the, the first book, The Power of the Dog, is like all-timer, amazing book. Mm-hmm. I read the second book, and I was like, who ghost wrote this or ghost wrote the <laughs> right. first one? Like, yeah. this feels like one of the situations where somebody finds a manuscript and publishes it and then has to write the sequel on their own. You yeah. know what I mean? And so I'm I'm open to... Him, especially like having all that lived experience, probably having all those cassettes, just getting to a point in his life where he's like, I got to write this out. And then at the time, maybe people being like, where's the second? And the second not being great. Yeah. Well, with that, yeah. And with that being said, from what I've read, the fourth book is regarded as like not just the best in the series, but his best book, period. Okay. That so. that gets me excited because I read this when looking at the second book. Okay. okay. I haven't read anything about the second book. And th- this stuck out to me as like, this is, if in isolation you'd be like, oh, this is bad writing. But also knowing his <laughs> oh, writing, no. I was like, yes, this sounds yeah. awesome. So uh, when one of his superiors warns him to back off saying, quote, you'll always get the shitty end of the stick. He explains the main character. Maybe, but I think that's the end where the truth is. 
Ah, that's so funny. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Get the shit again. Yeah, but that's where the truth is. That's where I'm going. Yeah. Oh, love it. So anyway. Uh, yeah, good, great book. What was the... Oh, did you listen to Whitmer Thomas's new single? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Oh, only good, huh? Yeah, it's good. I like it. I think it's very good. There's a lot of cursing in it. Oh. <laughs> Boo-hoo. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be like puritanical or whatever, but, but here it's you the are. kind of cursing that makes me... F- that feels like you don't really know what else to do. Listen, he's being cynical about everything, and it's yeah. just, you know... It's good. I like it. But again... Cursing is, it feels a little like a cop-out. little, okay. The the thing I'll say about the first two singles on this new album mm-hmm. that he's releasing, he has a way of taking like a melody that you anticipate. Mm-hmm. You know, this one is just like, mm-hmm. and then varying it up and finding a different, like, I don't know, music. Yeah. We find a different way to take it, mm-hmm. to advance it, to develop it. That's interesting. It made me think, and one, I want to ask, that's maybe the thing you're picking up on. Because the first thing that knocked you out about rigmarole was you were like, he writes funny songs, right? And mm-hmm. you're like, but this is a legitimate song. Right. Hold on. I'm... Dying over here for sure. some reason. <laughs> anyway, I was wondering if that's, you know, like funny songs tend to just be about the joke and the melodies in service of the joke. Whereas like these songs, even though they are, you know, I I debated with you whether or not, I, I don't think he writes funny songs, but his other songs have been funny songs. I'm a big, big baby is not a funny song. But I'm a big, big baby. No, that's a funny song. Okay. But I mean, there are others. I'm saying his last The EP. songs from the golden one are funny songs. Yeah, his last EP, though. I'm saying. I didn't listen to that. Exactly. Okay. Is, is where he starts developing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, this is an interesting, like, you know, progression. Yeah. And I was wondering if that's what you we're picking up on or if you could identify as like you're you're expecting a more straightforward when you listen to a what you would term a funny song you're just you're not looking for music dynamics right you're just kind of looking for the joke is that what you mean by a funny song i'm trying to i guess get you to define what you what you term a funny song is uh i guess a funny song like a weird al song that's a funny song and like Big Baby is a funny song. So it's just more of something that you feel like when you hear it, that's a funny song as opposed to something you can define. The whole point of the song is just to be a joke. Yeah. I mean, right? Like, I'm a big, big baby is just a big joke. Do you think there's nothing about that that is like a real song? Do you think Hotel California was written to be serious? Yeah, of course. That's sad, right? Sure. Like, <laughs> but I mean, it's obviously not meant to be a joke. 
Yeah, no, you just got me thinking about like what songs that are like everyone looks to to be like amazing songs mm-hmm. may have been written like as a joke. Yeah, I hear you. But I, I don't think the Eagles are who you're going to find that with. No, exactly. That, 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 that's why I was like, <laughs> yeah. they would never cop to it. Right. But if you like explain the, the premise of Hotel California, it, it is a little goofy. Oh, of course. Like as a metaphor for addiction, right? Is that, that that's the agreed upon interpretation, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's like a purgatory or whatever. Um, hmm. I guess that's it. I can't remember. There was, oh, what'd you think of, um, the, uh, what is it called? Were the Beastie Boys just a comedy troupe? No, of course not. What did you think of the, oh, it's just, what did you think of the Danger Mouse and Black Thought album? Loved it. It's great. Yeah. Um, very good. And then the new Panda Bear album is also very good. I listened to some of that. Um, yeah, I need to give that a closer listen, but I am. Playing. I love that Panda Bear album. It's, uh, I've, I, for some reason, I just have been playing it a lot. Really? Because I saw you've been listening to it. I'm still on cheat codes pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm on some, um, some personal music that you would make fun of me for. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, that's it. Next week, obviously, the have you ordered the second book? Not yet. Not yet. Um, but yeah, next week we'll, we'll have to find something we'll else. We'll do something else. Um, the rehearsal. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. You should just watch the finale. So there's only like five episodes in that? Six, I think. Six. I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to spoil it for you.